So this morning we're going to be uh, looking at 2 Timothy uh, chapter 1, verses 8 to 11. And right off the bat, I just want to say that the focus of today's message is going to be the gospel. It's such an important and vital part of the Christian life. And sometimes, if we're not careful, we forget the importance of the gospel in our lives. And this morning, I want to go ahead and take some time to shine some light on that. A couple of sermons ago, Luis preached that the whole purpose of the church is to put Jesus Christ on display. I would like to add to that, that of equal value, the gospel itself is the purpose of the church. The reason why we're here, the reason why we have been called, it's the gospel itself, to uphold the gospel in a world that needs to hear it. But before I start reading from the verses, allow me to give us a little bit of a background of what we're looking at in these verses. This is Paul writing a letter to Timothy, the second letter to Timothy. This would be the last letter that Paul would write, as he would be martyred soon after that. Paul finds himself in prison for a second time. Unlike the first time when he was released, the first time that he was in prison, Paul had some liberties. Paul had freedom to communicate with those in the outside. Paul had the freedom to carry on his ministry of the gospel. This is not the case the second time that he finds himself in prison. He finds himself in a cell, most likely dark and cold cell. Chances are that he was in chains the second time around. All of his friends with whom he had communication the first time have abandoned him. Nobody comes to visit him, not allowed. He lost that freedom. Paul understands that this time is different. Paul understands that the race has come to an end. He understands that the fight is done. But typical of Paul, he won't go, he won't go down without a fight. He holds the gospel dear to his life to the extent that he's about to lose his life for it. And in a last-ditch effort, he's passing the baton of the gospel from one generation to another, handing it over to Timothy to continue that ministry. Let me start reading from verse 7. And it says, For God has not given us a spirit of timidity, but of power and love and discipline. Therefore, do not be ashamed of the testimony of our Lord or of me, his prisoner, but join with me in suffering for the gospel according to the power of God, who has saved us and called us in the holy calling, not according to our works, but according to his own purpose and grace, which was granted us in Christ Jesus from all eternity, but now has been revealed by the appearing of our Savior, Jesus Christ Jesus, who abolished death and brought life and immortality to light through the gospel, for which I was appointed a preacher and an apostle and a teacher." Paul starts verse 7 by saying that God has not given us a spirit of timidity, a spirit of fear. Perhaps Paul feels that there's a sense of fear in, in Timothy's life, and he's addressing this fear. And he starts by saying that God has not given us a spirit of fear. In other words, fear does not come from God. Fear is a tool that most often is used by Satan to prevent you and me, God's called to prevent us from doing the work that God has called us to do. And it is fear that keeps us. This is a type of fear that makes an individual act in a cowardly way, that makes an individual not want to step out of the comfort zone for fear of what could happen. 
We see that fear in our, in our workplace. We see that fear in our homes. We see that fear in our neighborhoods. We fear to speak to our neighbors. We fear to talk to our coworkers in fear of losing our jobs or whatever social status, status we may have. We fear that. And Paul wants to get that out of the way by telling us that that fear is not from God. And the beauty of this verse is that Paul replaces fear with love. Paul replaces fear with power. God, God, Paul replaces fear with self-control. Why self-control? Because the moment that fear overtakes us, it is the lack of self-control that keeps us from escaping the grip of fear. And he tells us we have to control that. Self-control. We have to control that fear. And then he goes on to say to Timothy in verse 8, Therefore do not be ashamed of the testimony of our Lord or of, our, or of me, his prisoner, but join with me in suffering for the gospel. Perhaps Paul felt that there was a fear in Timothy, and rightly so. The Roman persecution was increasing more and more. Perhaps the influence of those who were against Timothy in the church of Ephesus was growing more and more. Paul understood that Timothy feared going down the same road that Paul was going for the sake of the gospel. Who wouldn't be, right? You and I, we don't sit here in fear of losing our lives for the gospel. But that was a reality. It was a reality that the mention of Jesus Christ or even any association to Paul could also carry out a death sentence. And Paul understood that. And he was cautioning, he was cautioning Timothy that despite the fact, despite the possibility of persecution, despite the possibility of losing status, Paul was a Jew of Jews. Nobody knew the law more than Paul did. Paul has had a social status with all the religious leaders of those times. But because of the gospel, Paul lost every single one of those things for the sake of the gospel. And at the end, Paul lost his life. And Paul is trying to pass on the ministry of the gospel again to another generation. Perhaps Paul also felt that, the, that, uh, that Timothy's um, faith was weak. And even though we don't find proof in any part of the New Testament that says that, verse 7 itself, if we can go to that, verse 6 actually, for this reason, I remind you to kindle afresh the gift of God, which is in you through the laying of the hands. This is an illustration, if you may, think about about fire. Sometimes the fire begins to go down. It begins to diminish the intensity of the heat. And what do we do? We grab some object and we fan it. We fan the flame in order for that flame, for the intensity to pick up once again. This is the illustration that Paul is giving us in this verse. This is the illustration that Paul is giving Timothy in this verse. That he needs to fan that flame of his faith in order to strengthen it once again. We all find ourselves in that position at, from time to time. We're human, right? We need that encouragement. We need that pickup from one another when we're feeling down. That is the purpose of the church, to build one another, to help one another. So that when our faith is running low, someone can come alongside and flame that, fan that flame in order to regain its intensity. Regardless of, the perp regardless of the reason of why Paul is addressing this matter with Timothy, what's important to Paul, the importance to Paul, is that Timothy carries on the gospel. That's what's important. That's what's at stake here. Then we see in verse, in verse 9, Paul says, verse 8, Therefore, 
do not be ashamed of the testimony of our Lord or of me, his prisoner, but join with me in suffering for the gospel according to the power of God. And verse 9 says, who has saved us and called us with the holy calling, not according to our works, but according to his own purpose and grace, which is granted us in Christ Jesus from all eternity. Paul reminds Timothy, Paul reminds Timothy the purpose for the calling and who called him. Tells him who has saved us and called us with a holy calling. Paul could have simply said who has called us. But he specified that the, call, the calling is a holy calling. And just the way Timothy had a holy calling, you and I have had that holy calling. And this is not the general calling that makes a sinner aware of the gospel and believes the gospel and becomes saved. This is far greater than that. This is a calling particular to the elect, particular to those who God has called. And this is a calling that has results that will change your life, that will change my life. This is a calling that, creates, that brings about holiness. This is a calling that brings about justification. This is a calling that brings sanctification. And finally, it brings glorification. And Paul wants to make, make it clear. He wants to make it clear that God has called us for a purpose. And then he goes on and says, it's not based on our works. It's not based on anything that Timothy could have done. And it's not based on anything that you and I have done. Anything that you and I have earned. It is pure grace. It is by grace that we have been called. He specifies grace because grace is a fundamental element of the gospel. Grace is what fuels the gospel. Without grace, there's no salvation. We have no salvation without God's grace. And he clarifies that to Timothy. That it's not by works. It's not by works that, that, we, that we were saved. And then Paul goes on to say that there's a purpose. But according to his own purpose and grace, one thing that I think sometimes we forget about is that the moment that we become saved, we become tools for God. We become objects of his own purpose to carry out the work that he would have us do. That's his purpose, not my purpose, his purpose. And we're reminded of that because quite so often we have, an, we have the idea that I can still carry on my life. I can still do what I want to do as if that was important. And God's purpose becomes backseat driver. I'm in control. I'm in control. Paul reminds us that God has a purpose for each and every one of our lives. We have received a holy calling. We have received a holy calling. It's not easy. It's not easy to stand up in the world that we live in right now. It's not easy to stand up for what we believe in. It's not easy to share the gospel. But Paul understood that. No one other than Paul knew that. No, no one better than Paul, humanly speaking, knew that. Paul says, therefore, do not be ashamed of the testimony of our Lord or of me, 
his prisoner, right? His prisoner. He finds himself shackled in chains for this gospel, for this gospel that he was entrusted with. Perhaps you and I find ourselves, we find ourselves confused. We find ourselves doubting. We find ourselves not knowing what our purpose in life is. And it's important for us to understand that God has a purpose for every single one of us. And Paul draws it out for us. Our purpose is the gospel itself. The gospel itself. We are almost near to celebrating the birth of Christ, which we celebrate December, right? I think uh, experts believe that that's not the, uh, the, uh, the true birth of Christ, but that's the day we choose to celebrate it. And people become stressed out, anxiety. You know, we begin to maximize the credit cards to be able to fulfill the idea of Christmas that the world has. But what better gift? What better gift than to give the gift of life, the gift of etern the eternal message to a world, to a decaying world. There's a survey that says that 84% of the population likes to engage in some kind of conversation. People like to talk. We see it here. You know, the, the intermission time, coffee, people are talking, and it's great, great conversations. We have conversations with people at our jobs. We have conversations with our neighbors. We have conversations with total strangers at a gas station or at the line at a supermarket, right? But what's a conversation? What are those conversations about? If we were to start a club or, or if we were to, let's say, start a conversation on your favorite football team or your favorite recipe, how many would have input? We all would. We all would have something to say. I could sit here and talk to you about the Rams all day. I can sit here and give you the lineup of the 1970s for the Rams. That's how much of a fan I was. And I want to stress that. I was. Because it no longer, it no longer controls me. So we're having conversations of all kinds with one another. You hear conversations about video games. You hear conversations about movies. You hear conversations about the things that we did on the weekend. But when, we, when the opportunity presents itself to have the conversation that really matters. The fear that Paul is talking about overtakes us. All of a sudden, we shut down. We shut down. We're not in fear of losing our jobs, or losing our lives. Thank God that we live in a country that it hasn't gotten to that point yet. It is happening in other regions of the world. People are getting killed for the sake of the gospel. People are being imprisoned but you and I, we have a freedom in this country. But yet, this is not a message to scold us, but this is a message to remind us what we've been called for, the purpose that we were called for. There's things that we enjoy in life, a brand new car, a brand new home, a new baby, a new home. Those are great. Those are great things. But that is not the purpose for which we've been called for. That is not the purpose for which we've been called for. Verse, the second part of verse 9, 
Let me read verse 9 again. And this is referring to God who has saved us and called us with a holy calling, not according to our works, but according to his own purpose and grace, which was granted us in Christ Jesus from all eternity. That grace has existed for all eternity. Paul tells us here in this verse that even though it's been in existence for all eternity, it's being revealed and is being granted in Christ Jesus. And then he goes on to say in verse 9, in verse 10, but now has been revealed by the appearing of our Savior Christ Jesus, who abolished death and brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. Let me address the second part of that verse where it says, um, who has brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. Old Testament believers had a unclear understanding of mortality and immortality. There was a sense of mystery that Old Testament believers didn't fully understand in terms of eternity. But Paul points out here that that has been clarified. That has been clarified through Jesus Christ, to the revealing of Jesus Christ. That word reveal, it's mostly used to refer to Jesus' second coming. In this verse, however, it refers to his first coming, that it was revealed by the sacrifice that Jesus made on the cross. Verse 11 says, for which I was appointed a preacher and an apostle and a teacher. He's referring to the gospel. Paul is saying that he was, he was appointed a teacher of the gospel. He was appointed an apostle for the gospel. And he was appointed a preacher for the gospel. This morning, the question, the question would be, what have I been appointed? Why have I, what am I being appointed to in terms of the gospel? If it's not to share the gospel, then for what other purpose? For what other purpose? Perhaps this morning we may be struggling with fear. Perhaps this morning we may be struggling with a weakened faith. And it's understandable. But perhaps being honest and confessing that with our Lord would be step number one. I can say that. Our shortcomings, losing opportunities, to be able to present the gospel when the opportunity comes. Paul finds himself in a prison. And he knows that he will never see the light of day ever again. He knows that. Paul understands that he has ran the race. Paul understands that he has fought the good fight. He has given it everything he had. It is my prayer that we can all say the same thing when our time comes. I fought the good fight. I ran the race. And that the gospel is evident in our lives. This time of Christmas, make it a point. Make it a point to give that gift. You don't have to waste money on, on wrapping paper or putting a pretty bow. We don't have to. But it would be a gift that will go on forever. It would be the gift that, you know, the gift that keeps on giving. But I can still remember when, when that gift was given to me, I can still remember that day. And I hope that you guys remember that moment.
that that gift was given to you guys. And now we can do the same thing, the gift of the gospel to a world that is dying. Let's pray. Our gracious Father, we thank you, Lord, for this message of great importance, Father God, in the life of a believer, in the life of those who you called a holy calling, Father God, not just to live ordinary lives, but to live a life with purpose, your purpose. And we thank you, Lord, for that sacrifice. We thank you, Father, for your grace. We thank you, Lord, for saving us. And we ask you that you give us the courage, Father, that you give us the courage to be able to share your name regardless of the ridicule, regardless if we may lose something, Lord, Father God. But your word also says, Lord, Father, that if we are to win our life, we will lose. And if we will lose it for your sake, we will, we will win our lives, Father God. Thank you for everyone here today, Father. In the name of your son, we pray. Amen.